Welcome to Artists of New England. This is a podcast created to inspire you on your journey of artistic expression. Whether you are a career artist, a teacher, an emerging artist, or hobbyist, you can learn and gain support from your peers. We will explore the symbiotic relationship between these groups, lending insight and empathy towards each other. We will discover the where, when, why, and how of the creative process of artists living and working in New England, with occasional bonus interviews with gallery owners, collectors of fine art, and art historians. Perhaps today's show will bring you the aha moment you've been waiting for. Welcome to Artists of New England, and today we have with us John LaCour from Epping, New Hampshire, and he's going to fascinate us with his artistic journey. So John, tell us first, how did you become a New Englander? Because this is Artists of New England. Yes. Uh, So I grew up in Saratoga Springs, New York, and I went to school in Rochester at RIT. And after after I got out of college, um, there was a really unique opportunity right in North Andover. And I was like, I got to get over there. I got to try this out Mm -hmm. job wise. So it brought me to North Andover and I literally stayed at a bed and breakfast in Andover, Mass. And it turned out to be, I stayed at this bed and breakfast for six or seven months. I became very good friends with the person that ran uh-huh. the business. And anyway, I've been here ever since. So that was 1986. Wow. Till now. Great. I fell in love with the area. It's so beautiful. Great. And tell us about your art. How did you get started as an artist? Okay. My first remembrances uh, were like age three or age four wow. trying to sketch but the cool thing is I'm, I'm from a family of seven kids and I'm the fifth one down out of seven and the oldest was my brother Mark who had this natural ability to be he just his his drawing ability so I was like age four or five yeah. and he's like 11 and I watched I was at the kitchen table and he was sketching and he was just like a, a natural and I, I was like, I can do that. I knew I could. I felt in my stomach like I could do it as good as him. I did. I was already competitive with him. <laughs> so I grabbed a piece of paper and I started sketching. And that's when I first got the bug. And then I had the, the bug throughout high school. Um, I did get an art award for, um, it was the Kate McCluskey Award in Art for my senior year. Um, at the time I was really into high realism, uh-huh. uh, portraits. So uh-huh. in graphite or paint or oils, oils. I, wow. I started Already. in oils Great. in 10th or 11th grade. And I remember my teacher was like astonished. He was like, how can you do that <laughs> without any training? And I was wow. just like, I don't know. I just felt it. Wow. So I did these oil and most of them were portraits. And so that gave me the bug. And then when I went to RIT, I majored in industrial design, but I took, which was art and graphics. I had to take huge, you know, graphic base programs for the Mm -hmm. first year. But I, throughout my time in college, I took tons and tons of painting from life, drawing Mm -hmm. from life, live models Mm -hmm. um, outside. We did a lot. But the good thing about college that I think that I take a takeaway was we kind of got uh, a smattering of everything. We mm. didn't really get pigeonholed into any one thing. I mean, I went through a Salvador Dali phase <laughs> when I was in college, like I think a lot of people did. Um, but anyway, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent. No, so, no. so <clears throat> then I guess I should continue my story. Yeah. 
when I came out to this area, I actually through the bed and breakfast, I met my wife and then we got married about a year later. And within two years, we had our first child. And so when my kids were growing up, I put the the paint, I put the paint down for like 15 or 20 years, which I still had all these paintings going on in my head that I wanted <laughs> to do. Wow. But I, for whatever reason, we were so busy with the kids yeah. and running them around to different ball games and Irish step competitions and so forth. <clears throat> I just didn't take the time to do it. Sure. And finally, when my kids got out of the house and went to college, I finally got back into it six or seven years ago and took about two or three workshops with totally different artists up in the White Mountains. And that was just a huge thing for me. Um, the yeah, first, yes, be? the first one was Michael Vermette and he does very thick impasto with palette knifing, strictly palette knife. And he uses this black oil wax medium that he actually makes himself. Wow. And that was really cool. So that was plein air in the white mountains on location. And mm -hmm. I had not painted in years. So I was mm -hmm. definitely a little timid that first time. And I actually got heat, heat stroke at one of the classes Ooh. outside. Ooh. I was. I was kind of like a deer in headlights that first workshop and I forgot to drink water and yeah. I was out there and they were very helpful. They revived me and I continued the class and made it through the weekend. Yeah. So, and then I took one with an abstract expressionist mm -hmm. who works kind of in the mode of William de Kooning style, very mm -hmm. brash three by six foot canvases, wow. huge gestural brush strokes and great color work. I learned a lot colors from her that was Rebecca mm -hmm. and then I took a really cool weekend um, it was a classical um, portraiture weekend workshop with Peter Granucci who lives in western New Hampshire but he lived in New York City for like 20 years and he's a very well-known portrait painter he's done mm -hmm. thousands of portraits I learned a ton from him and then my favorite though I must say my favorite workshop was with um, <clears throat> excuse me Eric Coppell and his wife, Lauren Sanserik. They were both incredible and are incredible painters, but I learned the old master traditions of glazing from them. It was a serious, intensive uh, weekend workshop. He did a demo and then Lauren did a demo on Sunday morning. And I learned so much in that one weekend in terms of the aesthetic, the glazing. Mm. So they, they will do 40 layers of glazing. Wow. On a single painting. That's amazing. And it's in the Hudson River tradition. So I took off from that class. I was bit by the Hudson River bug and I started to create painting after painting in the Hudson River. And that's when I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to join some kind of association. And I you noticed see? an ad in the paper for a New Hampshire Art Association oh. was doing new member jurying. So I submitted my four. I took my four decent Hudson River. I had one big one, like 20 by 40, and I had like two or three that were like, you know, 11 by 14. Mm. And um, I was lucky enough to get in on my first try into the organization. And I did that method of painting for about two or three years. So and it sounds like these four different people you studied with are vastly different. Vastly different, but style. I actually use but little tidbits from each one. <laughs> like Rebecca, yeah, she uses raw charcoal mixed She'll do charcoal marks on top of her oils, really thick oil paints for her abstracts, okay. which de Kooning had done in the okay. past, back in the 50s and 60s. 
So I took that and because I use pencil with yeah. oil, much like a watercolor painter would use pencil marks with their watercolors. Right. I do that with oil, but I kind of came upon that by accident. Yeah, tell us that story because so, I know that. It's very interesting. Let's so <laughs> a good friend of mine that I met at the New Hampshire Art Association is Peggy Murray, and she had been bugging me for at least <laughs> a month or two throughout the summer. This was a couple, two or three summers ago, to finally go outside and paint outside. I had been doing studio work, mm -hmm. and I think I had gotten really stale in my studio stuff. It wasn't really selling. It was kind of boring, I think. Anyway, make a long story short, she finally got me to go to Fortree Island, which is still mm -hmm. my favorite spot to paint from, in Portsmouth. Portsmouth. Mm -hmm. And the first painting I was working on, I was in the middle of it, probably an hour into it. I had a 10 by 20 canvas. For some reason, I grabbed a 10 by 20, which <laughs> now I do <laughs> my small. Anyway, I'm working on this canvas, and it was this quiet day out there in late August. And this gentleman, he's probably in his late 30s. And his daughter is probably like eight or nine. They came up to watch his paint. So they watched for like 10 or 15 minutes. And I was just, you know, throwing some paint around and scratching with my palette knife and using some pencil marks. I don't know what, what was getting into me because I never really, none of this was really taught to me. I, like you said, bits and pieces maybe at different workshops, but I was combining some weird things and I knew it. I was like, but why not? <laughs> so anyway, they came back like 15 minutes later and that and the, actually he sent the girl he sent his daughter up alone and she quietly <laughs> said is your painting for sale okay. and i was okay. like this is precious yeah. he sent his little daughter up uh, to ask and i said well yes so anyway she ran back and got her dad and they came back and i said look this is just a little sketch you can have it as is for 50 bucks take it away like no i don't have any money on me i'm sorry and I said, look, I'll hold it. I won't even do anything more to it. He goes, I, I like it just the way it is. I go, look, I'll bring it home tonight. I will not touch it. I'll let it dry. And what was that and composition? Him, was it the It was a view Memorial from Portsmouth. Yeah, it, was it had part of the Memorial Bridge. It okay. had part of the Shape Warehouse, Yeah. part of Prescott Park, and okay. part of the Gundalow. Okay. All in one view. Yeah. And anyway, so I said, look, I'll hold this for you. Here's my business card. Anytime you want in the next 30 days, call me. I said, this is where I live. I'll still hold the same price, 50 bucks. This is just a little sketch. So the funny part, so that was like late August. I was getting ready for a show in the Art Association already. I was starting to get ready for the show in December. And I got to admit, going on location with Peggy changed my whole outlook on the show. From that moment on, I knew the whole show, the theme had to be Portsmouth Harbor at oh, wait, twilight. Wait, wait. So you were yeah. already committed. Yeah, to but I didn't show. know exactly what I was going to do. I thought wow. I was going to use some of my studio pieces, which show. were boring. There was no, and I didn't have a cohesive theme. So this okay. moment in time yeah. solidified that I needed to have a good theme. And this theme, it struck a chord with me because all right, one other thing besides the fact that they wanted to buy it is when I got back to my studio mm -hmm. and I held up my little sketch that I had mm -hmm. done in only an hour to some pieces that I spent four or five hours on, the one hour sketch blew them away. Absolutely. Yeah. There was more energy. There was more vitality mm -hmm. in that sketch because it was real from mm -hmm. a three-dimensional world. I was reacting to the elements, the wind, yeah. everything. It all fed into my creativity. And and it, to this day, that's the best, I think it's the best way to, to paint is outside in the elements mm -hmm. and react mm -hmm. and let those marks react in a totally authentic way.
And that's what I took away from that first session. And I was like, from now on, this show is going to be Portsmouth Harbor and they're all going to be started outside, mostly from different views from Fortree Island. And that's what I stuck to. And then that, that show ended up being a sellout show in December wow. at the Art Association, which really was a great feeling as an artist mm-hmm. to have everything sell. I had one collector who bought two. Tell um, us about the painting that um, you offered for $50. So that one ended up selling for 700 at the show <laughs> <laughs> without any adjustments wow. as is. And great. it was, by, by the way, it was the first painting that sold. Mm, out of that show so and i held it for him and he never got in touch with me so yeah so tell tell me about um, artists uh, living or dead that have inspired your painting well my favorite painter by far ever 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 is jmw turner um about three summers ago the peabody essex museum had an incredible show of his they had about 200 they had quite a few of his large oils. I would say they had at least 20 or 30 of his three by five foot oil paintings. And they just grabbed me. Those, They had a room full of his watercolor sketches that he did on a lot of his travels that he'd bring back to his studio. But to me, the crowning achievement of that show was his oils were just, and these are in the 1800s and they looked like a contemporary, at a, at a contemporary abstract expressionist gallery. If you just took passages of these paintings mm-hmm. and the way he layered his, his paints in multi layers and different thicknesses. And it was so intuitive the way he painted. And you could tell he did it from his gut, which is my best painting is, is from my stomach for by far. Mm-hmm. Not I, I, if I tend to get over overly analytical, I tend to ruin a painting. Um, I call my paintings. Sometimes my quick sketches are caveman paintings. And those are usually the ones that people react to the most. So, but the JMW Turner show was incredible. I joined the Peabody Essex Museum that summer and I went back to that show about 10 times <laughs> to absorb as much as I could. I work in Amesbury, Mass. So I made the pilgrimage a lot after work that summer on weeknights. Mm-hmm. And I just absorbed as many because those paintings were on loan from the, most of them were either from the Tate or the National Gallery in London. Mm-hmm. And that was amazing. I do need to go to London again to see a lot of his stuff. Mm. Uh, but I learned so much from that show. You, you just absorb as much as you possibly can. Mm. So that greatly So that was a huge style. influence. The other huge show that I will say that fed into me um, was like a year or so after they had a really good James Abbott McNeil Whistler show at the Addison Gallery, which is part of Phillips Academy in Andover, Mass. That show, they had a ton of on loan from, from London because he painted and he did a lot of nocturnes in London Harbor at night. And those were really striking as well. And he experimented. He was very abstract for his, for his time. Day, yeah. So that was another huge influence. So um, tell us your journey from the sellout show at the Art Association to what you are doing today. And tell us if you're a full-time or a part-time artist. So after I did the sellout show, um, during that, I, of course, I already knew Peggy Murray and I knew Jane Kopp. Well, they had already become members at Ceres Gallery that Elaine Miller owns. And in Portsmouth. Yes, right in Portsmouth next mm-hmm. to the tugboats. So I came over here before my show at the Art Association. And I visited the gallery and I was like, wow, this would be a great place. What a great location. This is fabulous. Make a long story short, I got on the short list somehow. 
to get into series. And lo and behold, a couple months later, I'm actually here at series showing my paintings, which was a, is a thrill, it still is to this day. And then that summer was the most magical summer I've ever had as an artist. So I guess I should go into this story really quick because it was magical in about 10 different ways. Yeah. It really was amazing summer. And this is just last summer. So <clears throat> to make, make long story short, when I had my sellout show at the Art Association, I did not know this, but I was secretly being stalked by Steve Bowersock, who's the owner of Bowersock Gallery in Provincetown. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that summer he came to me, I happened to be in the gallery at Ceres, and he said, oh, I've been watching your work, it's, it's great. He goes, I loved your show at the Art Association. And we hit it off really well, and he asked me if I would join you know, start sending some paintings down to him at his gallery down there. So it was great. I didn't have to ask him. He, he asked me and it's another great gallery. So I was thrilled. So in late that summer, I sent some paintings down to his gallery and that's been great. I'm still there and we sold a few paintings at the end of the year, at the end of the season, and I'm getting some new ones ready for the upcoming summer season. Great. So that was the first huge um, magical moment of the summer. <laughs> There was another one, I think it was July. It was the first Friday in July. And I was playing guitar and um, we played duets, it's me and Laura. And uh, we were playing a duet and gosh, we were going through our repertoire. And I think this couple was staring at one of my big paintings for at least 15 or 20 minutes. And I was nudged to go over and say hello, at least somebody that looks that long. So to make a long story short, um, this couple who we hit it off, we spoke for about an hour. They commissioned me to do four large pieces for their home in Montecito, mm -hmm. California, which was a huge thrill for me to get this huge commission and right. be able to do these pieces. Two of them, he's from Portsmouth. He developed a software company mm -hmm. that he sold for a huge sum. And he, they also have a, a very nice house on Lake Winnipesaukee. So to make a long story short, I got four big paintings ready, sent them out there to Montecito, and it was just crazy timing. It was right when they had the giant fire, mm -hmm. and they had to evacuate their house, and he had to store those paintings in a UPS facility. Wow. So finally, when the fire, the fire got within 700 feet of his house, they almost lost their house, but luckily it was spared. Wow. They got back into their house. They put the, the paintings up. He sent me pictures of them in the house. It looks beautiful. <laughs> well, right after that, they had to evacuate again because of mudslides. Wow. And oh, same thing. Goodness. They got out of the house. <laughs> they, the mudslides came within a couple hundred feet and went down a canyon right next to them. And these things travel like 50 miles an hour. It's like a lava flow. Mm -hmm. And emailing back and forth, we're, we're really good friends. Make long story short, they're back in their house mm -hmm. and they finally, everything's okay. Mm -hmm. But that was just, that, so that was another magical moment to mm -hmm. find that. So to speak of that cu couple, they tie into the next story, which <laughs> is magical Main Art Gallery up in Kennebunk. Mm -hmm. So they know the owner, John Spain of Main Art, and they put in a huge word for me up there to John wow. to add me on up at their gallery. Uh -huh. So that was another huge magical moment. 
Um, me and John hit it off great. And um, so I joined up adding paintings up there now. And that started in October. And I'm get, getting With geared up solo for... solo show, I think. Yeah, that yeah. was in the off-season. It still did awesome. Yeah, right. It's, I sold like nine paintings in a couple of weeks. So <laughs> I... Um, I have a lot to be thankful for. I yeah. really do. It's very humbling that, first of all, that anybody would buy my paintings. Secondly, that galleries would call me mm. to get my paintings into their facility. You know, it's just, I can't really believe it. <laughs> I still wake up in the morning. I go, what's going on? This isn't me. But it all goes back to painting on location in the harbor. It really that does. Really and that's why here. now that we're finally getting some nice weather, the first thing I'm going to do yeah. Maybe Thursday morning at 530, I'll be out there <laughs> painting because really that's where, for me, because I am an intuitive painter, um, I do have a lot of technical training, but at a certain point you have to put it aside and just grab what's around you and start making marks. Yeah. And um, well, I think all the training helps, but... Working for you. <laughs> yeah. But I think for me, it's all about intuitive it's intuitively reacting to what's there. Yeah. And yes, I do do layers in the studio sometimes. Sometimes I'll finish the whole piece outside, like that first one that I sold. So it's it's a combination. And I think people react to authenticity, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. um, if it gets too contrived, people can sense that and they don't want it. I think, you know, as we get more and more in today's society, I think yeah. people revere things that are made with, with your hands and that are reacting. So I know yeah. um, you do work full-time, and this mm -hmm. is a part-time gig yep. for you. And what uh, what kinds of challenges do you have to overcome in yeah. that arena? Because, Great question. Because so, you have a lot of stuff to put out for yes. the summer. So it's a lot of it's time management, a lot of it's energy management. Yeah. Now, in the summertime, I don't have a problem with energy. In the wintertime, it's tough Yeah. because I'll get home, it's dark, it's cold. Um, so yeah. in the winter time, I mean, seriously, in the summer, I can, I, my production of paintings will probably double because mm -hmm. my energy automatically goes up. Maybe it's the vitamin D from getting some sun, mm -hmm. but I feel it even now with we're finally getting some warm weather, my sure. energy is just finally coming back. Yeah. Um, so, but that's a great question because it's always a battle to try to get things done, especially now with several galleries that I'm feeding work to and working my, my regular job is about 50 hours. Mm -hmm. So I do have to be really careful about every minute that I have. Sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming. Like, geez, I don't know if I'm going to get that done in time. Yeah. Do I have enough time? Do I have enough hours in the day? So it can be, um, it can be a real <laughs> juggling act. It really can be. Okay. But it's fun. It's a, yeah. it's a fun problem to have. So you have a studio, I think, at your mm -hmm. house. Is that yep. right? It's, so can... it's in the loft. I call it my loft studio. It's on the third floor. It's about 55 feet up, and it has a beautiful view of the Lamprey River. Mm. It has skylight. And me and my wife had looked at several condos, and some of them had a better location. But th this one, the combination of the river view and the loft studio, was just it grabbed me right away and i was like we got to get this one so and i'm so happy i have that studio so the other cool thing is when i'm at series in portsmouth near the tugboats i can paint in the quiet moments i'm mm -hmm. working on paintings so i've sold many a painting that i've created when you get right at the it. gallery yes yeah, correct wonderful. Yep. so um what inspires you what how do you find inspiration for you 
for me, and I, I, people keep asking me, don't you get tired of the harbor? Not <laughs> at all. Seriously. When I'm outside, I'm smelling everything and the wind and yeah. feeling it. And in the harbor, especially at twilight or early in the morning, mm-hmm. it's still just as fresh. It, it really is. I'm not, it's not stale well, at all. Because funny. it changes every second of the day. It's changing every minute. The light's changing. Yeah. The wind is changing. Well, and each the one, tides even if you are painted changing. the same scene, even if you did the same scene a hundred times, it, each one would be different. You know? They would totally be different. It would have different. its own yeah. vibe because and your, feel. your hand reacts to a million things. How is your body that morning? How are you feeling? What did you eat? Mm. And what are the elements doing all combined? Mm-hmm. How well did you sleep? Maybe sometimes if you didn't sleep well, that might actually give, give you a better painting because mm-hmm. maybe you... Maybe sometimes there's anxiety that can help too. Mm. Maybe you were angry about something. All those things, a lot of times, make a better painting. Mm. Yeah. So um, let's see. What else we want to know? Where do you see yourself in five years? Oh, good question. Yeah. So five years, I would love to be painting full time. Mm-hmm. And maybe in another five or ten galleries, maybe being like fifteen galleries. No, no, no. Wait. So when you say that, or I'm interested to know, are you going to actually go pursue a gallery, or just keep waiting for them to find? I you? like to wait. I like because <laughs> right now, if I tried that? to pursue galleries, I would have too many. If I had another forty that? hours a week to paint, maybe I could keep. But right now, I have enough galleries to keep busy. That really, if I added another gallery, I don't think I'd have enough t- hours in the, in the week to, right. to do paintings for that other gallery. Right. Whereas in, in five years, turn them away. maybe I can be painting full time <laughs> and that would be a great thing to have that happen. Hmm. Great. So how do you do social media marketing? What do you do there? I'm really bad about that. <laughs> I am. So first of all, my website is old. It's outdated. I need to redo my own website. Um, I am sort of on Instagram, but I don't really know about it. I'm not good with Instagram. I, I need a helper. Mm. I need a, an expert to guide me a little bit. Um, mo- almost all of my sales have been face-to-face or somebody knew my painting through another friend. Yeah. Um, I have several. I've been really, really blessed in that. I have several now, several couples have who have bought more than one of my paintings. Mm-hmm. Probably four or five different collectors now have bought multiple paintings from me, which is a thrill. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have one quick story. I'll try to keep it fast. We have time. Go All ahead. Right. <laughs> so one of the very first paintings I ever sold was one of my large Netherzee Daydream. And I did not know at the time that this was going to be a really successful series. Mm-hmm. So... It was my very first one. I was at the Art Association, and I have this painters group that I started about four years ago. We meet on Sundays at 2 o'clock once a month, Okay. 2 o'clock to like 4 o'clock. And we have loosely maybe 15 members, but every time you know people have commitments, we might get seven or eight. So I was at one of my meetings, and I brought in this in-process 3-by-4-foot Netherzee Daydream on a gallery rep campus. And I'm chatting away with my people in my group. And they were, we all, we kind of give each other tips and everybody comes at it differently. You know, we have realists, we have impressionists, we have, Mm -hmm. you name it. And everybody uses media totally differently too. So we kind of, it's kind of a weird melting pot, (laughs) but we all get along well. And we have a very good spirit um, of camaraderie as well as humor. And anyway, to make a long story short, I'm looking at my painting and in walks this couple 
because it was during gallery hours at the Art Association. Okay. And anyway, it wasn't even completed yet. <laughs> she just started staring at it. And she asked a bunch of questions. And I was like, wow, somebody likes one of my paintings. I can't believe this. Because <laughs> I think up till that point, I had sold like one or two paintings. And maybe one of them was a little 11 by 14 uh, painting of a, of a lake in the fog in the winter. And then I had this big one. And Leah was, I didn't know her. I got to know her really well. She loved my big painting that I'm working on. And it had abstract elements in it. But it also had some old Dutch shipping. I... Mm -hmm part of the, you know, the whole Turner and Turner studied the Dutch masters from the 1600s. So I had these little tidbits of Dutch painting in there between that and the abstract expressionist. Make locks were short. This painting was not totally completed, but she told me she was going to buy it. Yeah. I didn't really care. I just wanted to have a painting in somebody's house yeah. that somebody was going to love this painting and take care of it. So price wise, I couldn't care less. So this was a three by four foot painting and we agreed on a price. I'm like, take it away for $300. I just want somebody to love this painting. <laughs> and she loved it. So to make a long story short, not only did she buy, and I actually, to this day, if it's a local collector that buys my painting, I will bring it to their house. And if they let me, I'll actually install it on their wall. So they have this beautiful condo right in Portsmouth and they let me install it. And this was the best part of the whole thing. It's in their best room of their house. It's right above their sofa. And it's a gallery wrap with painted edges. They didn't even want to frame. It looks <laughs> contemporary yet. Mm -hmm. Contemporary yet. Oh, there's references to the past, mm -hmm. which is still what I try to do on a lot of my big paintings to this day. That painting is still there. I didn't take very good photos of it. So like a few months ago, I'm like, Jim, can I come over and get some better pictures? He goes, come on over. I go over there. I take some better pictures. It's still right in that beautiful spot. All of the artwork in their house is all original. They have original sculpture. They have, it's yeah. beautiful. It's just, oh. so to make long story short, that same painting size now will sell for like $5,000. Right. And it's not really the price. To me, it's the feeling that this is in a home where people are going to enjoy this painting. And now this mm -hmm. couple's bought another painting from me like last summer and that's even better a bigger thrill to have somebody buy your painting not once but twice or three sure. times and put yeah. it in another room in their home yeah really the thrill and i have a lot of customers now that are such good friends they'll have me over for wine <laughs> and we'll chat about art so how fun is that i mean really great that's where it's really yeah, at i mean that's become friends you know it's great to be in a lot of galleries but the best part is the friendships Sure. between other artists and with my collectors. Mm. It really is. So just a few more questions really quick. I won't even say do you ever, because I think everybody gets these negative voices that say, and sometimes it's from our own family. They say, what do you think you're doing? You're an artist. That's not what you do full time. What are you doing that for? So, Or sometimes it's just our own head saying, do you really think you can sell this for that? And what are you doing? So what do you do with those voices? Tell it us. happens to me all the time. And I think it happens to any artist. I do, yeah. Where it doesn't matter how, how I think it happened to Rothko, who was at the height of Rothko's success. He mm -hmm. was making all this money and he still had a lot of self-doubt because no matter what happens, if you're a true authentic artist, you're always going to question your own work and mm -hmm. say, is this authentic? And that's what I have to always be careful with. When I'm making a new painting, 
am I just making another painting because it's going to sell or am I making something that I feel in my stomach? And that I always question myself. So a lot of times in the middle of a painting, I might put it aside because I'll mm. be just, I'll be very discouraged for three or four days thinking that's not authentic enough. It's not, it does not vital. And then I might come back to it with a fresh mind and all mm -hmm. of a sudden I can instill vitality and add it, you know, cause I do like to do glazing and layers, which I mm -hmm. learned from the Hudson river folks, you know, Eric Capel and his wife, Lauren, but I will say that's my big know? litmus test. I, I have to feel it in my stomach. So I had one the other day. I put it aside for a week. I did not like it. I was totally discouraged. It was never going to go to a gallery because mm -hmm. if it's, I don't feel it in my stomach, I'm never going to send it to any gallery. Okay. And I know that sounds very intuitive, but that's how I do it. That's what I call it. My stomach test. So anyway, I did another layer the other night and I was, I was angry, but guess what? It came to life. <laughs> the anger worked. And I've had a lot of paintings where when I'm angry, it brings out the best because you're taking a daring step. Mm. And a lot of times that's what people react to. And that's what I react to. So when I, I did it, I was like, wow, mm. how did I do that? Wow. And I, I knew enough to stop as I've yeah. gotten older and I've done <laughs> enough of these question. paintings. When do you stop? I yes. knew enough that I, I, if I had kept going, I would have killed the moment and the spontaneity mm. of that painting. I stopped. Mm. And that's a trick. And it's hard. To, it, it's practice. It's practice and knowing mm. when to stop. It's yeah. very tricky. Mm. It is. Okay, so what, what defines success for you personally as an artist? I think it is what I said a minute ago, connecting with other artists, mm. great friendships, camaraderie, connecting with the people that buy my paintings and creating lasting friendships. Yeah. yeah. Those are the huge things that make it totally rewarding. Mm. Yes, it's nice to get paid and get paid handsomely for a painting here and there, but in the long run, it's knowing that this painting is going to be treasured and I'm going to be friends with these people for life. Yeah. And for example, I, we had a couple that came in from St. Louis last summer and we chatted for an hour or two and Elaine Miller was chatting with the, and I was thinking, wow, this is great. It was, I think it was the first Friday. And I was thinking, wow. And they talked about my paintings and we talked about their lives. And we kept in touch via email for about a month or two, mm. back and forth. And he wanted to see some new paintings that I was working on. And in, and, and in the end, he ended up buying two of my paintings. Wow. And I'm sure they're gonna be back again this summer. And now there's lifelong friends that mm -hmm. were created yeah. through that, so. Great. So maybe the last question, we'll see. If you could spend the day with any living painter, because we know who it would be if it was a dead painter, but any living painter, if you could just spend the day with them, whether it's to learn or just to absorb their, you know, whatever energy they have. That's a good question. Hmm. Who would it be? Who would you, or where? What part of the country would you want to go, or the world? What kind of? I'd probably want to go to London and find somebody who's working outside, mm -hmm. reacting to the harbors mm. at twilight or at night. Hmm. That's excellent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know who would be there? You have to Google that. I have to go over for a long weekend trip. <laughs> yes. And do a little some wandering. Hang around yeah. the harbors. Yeah. 
Great. Well, is there any last word you'd like to tell our listeners? Any, anything for our artists who are, you know, like me, we're just plugging along and we're hoping that one day we have that magical summer that you had. I would say because going outside was so amazing for me for that first time and discovering new techniques that just happened by accident. Mm. But I knew right away that I had hit on something. I would say to those people, if they haven't gotten outside enough and reacted to the elements to do it some more and, and start to really think about what's going on, what's happening, how does this, how is what am I, am I trying some new things? First of all, am I trying new media, new tricks? Um, I think that's, that's what I would say is get outside, bring all sorts of weird things with you, maybe <laughs> charcoal, oils, hmm. liquid, and just start playing with it and seeing what you got. I mean, yeah. scratch into the surface. Yeah. See, all those techniques that I learned from all those workshops huh. did come into play with my stuff, but I, I kind of just did it without thinking too much. And I think that's for me anyway, because I am an intuitive painter, although I have a lot of classical training, mm -hmm. which helps my intuitiveness. Um, I would say that would be it. Go outside and really start to just use your stomach and react to the elements. Mm. Well, these are great tips, and I'm sure that all our listeners will be thrilled to hear this stuff. So thank you for having us on, having you on the show. Thank you for coming and thank giving you. us all Oh, I do have one ideas. other thing I want to say is sure. to always be thankful and humble that you are alive and you have the ability to paint, first mm. of all. Really, I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. it really is amazing. Yeah. It's true. It's true. All right. Thank you, John. We'll see you later. If you found inspiration from today's show, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and share it with a friend or two on social media. Also, take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes or share your takeaways from today's show on artistsofnewengland.com under today's episode. And while you're there, you'll find links to the topics mentioned in today's show. And don't forget to peruse the growing library of podcasts and resources. Thanks for listening. You got beauty to share with the world that no other human has. So get in the ring and pick up that brush.